they're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Hello, Jay Rayford. Hello, David Hellard. How are you? Oh, man. Sorry, listeners. We're we're both in really bad moods. (laughs) (laughs) We are in bad moods this morning. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, Uh, Normally, normally we're quite sprightly on a Friday morning. Normally, we're kind of quite good. Yeah. We're both both, suffering. But fortunately, you don't need to be in a bad mood because it'll perk up immeasurably because our guest today is the one and only Florence Early from oh, uh, yes. a wonderful, wonderful not, uh, Netflix documentary, We Are the Champions. Um, and I can tell you now she is as good as you hope she would be. Yeah, she's just lovely, isn't she? And, um, well, you almost hope that she could win it every year, except that she wouldn't be walking by the age of 30. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But um, what's well? I've, I mean, I've, I've got nothing to report running-wise, as as per usual. Still got a future meeting with some kind of doctor to try and help me. But uh, anything, anything on your side, running-wise, of interest or? Listen, I was thinking about it. I was listening to. I've been listening to a lot of Radio Four recently. Okay. And uh, for some reason, I end up listening to the Women's Hour, like uh, Women's Hour, all the time. But um, and after is it more than an hour? Then that that implies that it's. <laughs> Kind of no, no. I, I don't know whenever I switch it on it always seems to be women's hour it's, it, it's very very good it's very good and I made some comment about how I hate radio Four radio plays because um, I think because like comedy on radio four is really unfunny like it's the, it's the, <laughs> the shittest type of comedy isn't it it's literally um, middle class people gently chuckling at stuff that isn't very funny mainly puns and, and and that kind of is the whole of the Radio Four output. And I mean puns, but I quite like puns at times. Uh, yeah, I know. But place. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing that that's more. I mean, like oh, I can't remember the names of different things, but they're they're all essentially the same format. There's a studio audience gently chuckling at some not very funny things, <laughs> and it's always it's always the same. It's the, always the same people. It's always Paul Merton and David Mitchell on there. And um, for our internationalists, it's Radio 4, so it's a, it's a BBC station that your parents would listen to when you wanted to listen to pop music, basically. Well, that's the thing. Libby, Libby insists on listening to Radio 1, and I yeah. don't really have too much of a problem with Radio 1. Um, I mean, like, 50% of the music is okay, 50% is I, I, I don't like, which I yeah. think is... That's quite it's true of music at all yeah. times, Yeah, yeah exactly. True yeah. music at all times. Um it's it's just all the it's the talking all the talking in between that really pisses me off, and I've stopped listening to absolute nineties because I'm kind of fed, I've done that now I'm fed up with it and absolutely <laughs> have you completed it absolute absolute radio I it, it's so white van man it's it's incredible I didn't I was thinking like this this I'm not actually the demographic for absolute although I do enjoy it. Um, and I'm allowed to I'm allowed to talk about tradespeople. Are you more of a kind of smooth trade. FM? Or heart. Do you that... sometimes at Smooth FM? Smooth FM has a place. Smooth FM or Magic has a place. Like sometimes <laughs> you're kind of. Aren't you Jamie Feakston got... in the morning? <laughs> sometimes you, sometimes you've had too much absolute, or you've had too, too, you know, too much of something. And you just think, I just, 
I want to hear someone crooning for a bit. And so you whack on smooth. And it, there's, there's, it's the kind of stuff that your dad used to put on in the car on a tape on a long car journey, like smooth originals or something <laughs> like, you know, some crooning voices or, you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, so I, but I put on Radio 4. The kids hate it because they're just like, there is no music. This is really yeah. boring. So it's known as a really boring thing. And the, um, I, I talk about how much I hate radio plays on there. And actually, for the first, after making that comment um, on Facebook uh, for everyone to see, I then listened to two radio plays which were excellent. And one of those radio plays was basically a woman who, this is brilliant, she'd collapsed and she was about to die in front of her, like a toddler daughter. And then she projected into the future so that, <laughs> so that her grown-up daughter, who had become a doctor because she'd watched her mother die in front of her, was telling her what the impact of her dying in front of her had caused. I mean, talk about like... Oh, wow, okay. It was brilliant. It what was, was the sound effect for when she projected into the future? Well, no, it just had a girl talk. No, it, I, don't, I don't know if they used any like, sound effects like that. <laughs> it was really good. It was, it was just like, this is so good. Um, and, I mean, the, the sad thing was her daughter actually, through emotional trauma, became a heroin addict and overdosed at 15. Well, no, no, no. She, well, no, the thing is her daughter had turned out, she turned out to be a brilliant doctor, but she'd never got close to anyone because, you know, she couldn't really love anyone properly because she'd seen her mother die. But then in the end, I, I, I can't remember what happened in the end. I think in the end she lived, thus denying oh. her daughter that triggering event that le led her to become a, a, a world-class doctor. So but she as he does it and who, killed thousands. <laughs> exactly. She, she did she a classic lived. Eddie. She, she lived and that daughter didn't go on to save, <laughs> save many lives. <laughs> um, but the point I was actually making about Radio Four was, um, I, yeah, I was listening to I was listening to Marion Keys um, talk about um, stories and how good stories and funny stories are always based on tragedy. There's that saying, isn't there, that comedy is tragedy plus time. And she's saying that she hates having conversations with people who yeah. every they've got everything together in their lives. <laughs> she says the, the the hallmark the um the basis you would love anything, me right now <laughs> the basis of anything interesting is disaster and if there is not disaster then there is no story so it makes me wonder what happens on other running podcasts where they're all really good runners who they're like smashing their their times every week what what do they talk because i don't listen to other running podcasts. what do they talk about because we are in a disastrous state the mm. reason it's so interesting to listen to us or it's not interesting necessarily oh, i mean that's so, that a big claim the for us to say the one, the, one, <laughs> the, one, no, the reason why it's probably quite empowering to listen to us is because no matter who you are you know you are doing a better job of running than we are so that's mm. probably, that mm. probably is a kind of... I thought of you were idea. going to say life, better job of life. <laughs> probably that. I mean, that's well. the bigger gift, surely. But what, what do they talk... What do good runners who, who do other podcasts, what do they talk about? Because... I think there's a, a lot of talk of niggles, I'd imagine. <laughs> is it just a niggle? Yeah, constant niggles, constant, um, constant wisdom of, you know, you should, you should really take your slow days slow. You know, a lot of that. <laughs> is that um, really what they talk about? A lot of, um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a great listener of other running podcasts. I should listen more, really, for research. Um, and in fact, in fact, we, the one podcast I listened to, um, I listened to an episode of one called Jog On, 
and it was a really good episode. And I thought, we're going to steal that. I'm not going to say who, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which guest it was. But um, it, was, it was the wackiest interview we've done. But um, after about a minute, Jody and I were looking at each other like, strap in, like, how, how the hell are we going to edit this? Like, this is just, <laughs> this is a rant. So um, I'm, I've decided to listen to less running podcasts now. <laughs> so that's what other running podcasts are for stealing. They're for stealing, oh, sorry, modelling, modelling the formats. Um, oh, how but, um, but I've got, I'm trying to think of some news for my end. Well, oh, let's hear um, oh, some disasters from your perspective. Come on, look. I, I, actually, my, my running thing isn't disastrous. I've been going out. It's slow. It's painful. But it's so much more enjoyable with this, in this weather. My God, mm. like having a bit of sunshine on your face when you're running is uh, makes a massive difference. Well, my, my big disaster is my wedding, but that is too depressing to go into. So, um, <laughs> is that what Claire says? <laughs> so, yes, she does now. Even even before she has to consider the man she's marrying, <laughs> he has this whole other crisis to face. But um, yeah, small. I guess small small crisis. Um, I've been working with, well, there's a, a lovely lady called Jennifer who's been helping out with Caffeine Bullets social media. Oh, yeah. And Briggsy was at her mum's the other night because uh, her mum had been, had her second jab. And now, her mum's that old that she's had the second jab. Well, actually, it's more of a reflection of how good the jabs are going. So um, I text her, um, but I text the wrong person, good night, lover. <laughs> which is quite an awkward thing. <laughs> which they then text back. I then panicked and went, Oh, whoops. Um, oh, it's because Claire's at her mum's. And I'm like, oh, no, this is like I'm, like I'm a, a love cheat. <laughs> and no matter what I say, that has always been, it's always out there that she, there's a little bit of her that thinks, is he trying to hit on me? Um, so, that, I mean, that's a minor crisis. It was an un- so it comes across as an unsuccessful past, does it? <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> the, key, the, key yeah. to, the key to that is... To then send that message out to everyone, send it to everyone, so you can go. Oh, I, you can't believe I sent that message to everyone. That she, she doesn't know any of my friends, so it would just create more issues rather than. It's not as if she'll be down <laughs> the pub with with my other buddy going. Hey, did you get that message from Dave? Yeah, I did. Yeah, classic Dave. Um, yeah, so that's a bit. But another one. Um, I mean, it's not a huge issue, but. I decided in the Debenhams closing down cell, I'd buy clothes for the first time in about five years. Um, main, the main reason why I'm covered head to toe in cliff gear is because it's the only new items I've had. <laughs> um, but I bought a jumper. I got it. And it's a roll neck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine you in a roll neck. I bet you look like, uh, do you look like, is it black roll neck? It is. Thankfully, it's a white roll neck coloured, but... What? But I just don't know if I'm a roll neck kind of guy. <laughs> I, we need to see this. <laughs> I'll get it on for next week. Um, I mean, it, it's great for the winter. I'll give you that in, in the cold wind. But there's, like, I... there's two people that wear roll necks. There's like it's almost, you know, artsy poet readers mm. or um, or international footballers playing in England underneath mm. their shirt. Those, those are the two acceptable roll neck. I can't, I'm thinking kind of or models in. Do porn, porn stars wear roll necks? Well, well they probably long. did back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I, in my head, it it makes me sophisticated, but in in a, the type of way that someone who is a 
you know, a lover of French cheeses is sophisticated. That kind of level. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. <laughs> so, um, but apparently they're in. So we're going to see more. They're so, they're, apparently they're coming back. Um, this is, is that what, what is that what the person that sold it to you said? <laughs> this is what <laughs> Deb. I mean, These cutting are, edge Debenhams are closing down. Are closing down. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go to Marks and Spencer next and say, "Oh, can you, can you show me what the next fashion is for uh, for a yeah. middle-aged middle-aged loafer?" I mean, it it just seems I'm so out of touch with fashion now that I, I don't know what fashion trends are like elsewhere in the world. But it seems the websites, if you're young now, if you're a female, they are just the sluttiest, just. <laughs> Just, just the worst that they advertise to the lowest company. So it's pr- dirty little things, pretty little oh, things. You're looking at all of those ones and na- nasty girl and all of that. Nasty one. girl. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, isn't it so weird the way we, it feels like we've come so far in, in terms of our expectations of, well, the, the expectations that we're projecting on society of, of the role models females can be. And yet all of the fashion that appeal that it's, is advertising to them is far far worse than um what was river island monsoon <laughs> well, that's you know, why, that's these why are lovely island, that's why that's why they've all collapsed maybe top shop but now it's like yeah. pretty river little island. thing river island never made any sense like what was the point of river island uh, that's why i used to shop as i mean uh, i'm <laughs> Wow, that's where I used to shop. What was the? Uh, I can't, Back in the nineties, I, I can't picture you outside of what wearing um, wicking material. Um, I, I had a period of about seven years where I, I actually cared about what I looked like, and um, <laughs> I wore a lot of kind of matching blues. Then everything would be color coordinated. River Island. It was, I think it's more boredom on a in the holidays. I'd go down into town and just walk around every shop. Because what else did you do with your time? But uh, anyway, anyway. The thing, is, the thing is, the thing is, you know, I think there's certain things that you want to avoid, places you want to avoid shopping because it means you've kind of given up. And I think one of those things is if you ever go, if you ever <laughs> buy yeah. one of those early tops from Fat Face or any kind of early top, that means you've given up completely. I don't know what that is, an early oh, top. Oh, it's like a, it's early. How do I spell it? A, I think it's A. I R L I E or A I R L E Y. It's a type of it's a type of material that like that forty to fifty year old men. Oh wear. yeah, you know what it, I mean. It looks, it looks comfy, doesn't it? It looks comfy. It looks comfy, and they still kind of think it's fashionable. And you're just like, that's it. That's the point at which you've given up, and you've probably got your jab by now. I thought um, Fat Face was quite a cool surfer brand, or... Oh, it's not. It's no, not is it, really, did it no. used to be? No, no okay. No, no, okay. it's not. It's, um... No, no, it's not. But I, I mean, are we meant to be looking our age, or are we meant to be looking... Are we... What, what... This is the trouble for someone in the mid... The early 40s. Have you, have yes. you used... I, I can't believe we've got onto fashion, but... <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a first for the podcast... Have you used anything like um, uh, Stitch Fix or Thread? So um, have, you heard, have you heard of either of those? Uh, I mean, I've heard of Thread as in sewing. No, it's in the, the companies. Um, so no. basically, so no. right, they're, they're two different companies and they're quite, they're quite similar, but a slightly different model. So with Thread, what you do is you, you sign up for this, um, uh, you, you sign up for it and mm. you talk about all the different styles you like, the kind of clothes you own, 
you know the um you know what you like wearing what you don't like wearing it's kind of and and it, they have a they have like um sort of stylists there and some kind of algorithm that pairs you with stuff so they show you looks and they show you the different clothing that makes up those looks and you say whether yeah. you like them or not and yeah. you know, whether you'll wear leather shoes or not or all, all these different things and then it puts it it basically then allows you to buy the different you know pieces of clothing in order to build that look out and it's actually very very good because it means that it doesn't put you in the category of oh you're old or something and, and it's very good for people like us with our hair that you know if we wear certain colors we look kind of washed out it works really well because it's kind of like the benefit of having some someone who knows what they're talking about um not, not quite a personal shopper because it's all based on an algorithm and everything else and and uh, but and it is do the looks have good. names are they, are they like dad bod young ruffian <laughs> no, it's, not. it's like um, sort of like you know uh, a hip uh, teacher rocking, rocking the sweater that kind of thing but but it, it, it they make it all look cool so it doesn't look then there's and they've bit that I've, I've used that and it's been very good like the the stuff that i've got from there has been really really good it hasn't made me look really old it's made me look okay right so stitch fix on the other hand is a subscription service you pay for a subscription so with that yeah. with thread you buy them you just buy them as you want them and that's it. And if you don't like them, you send them back, and it's you know it, it, it's really good like terms for doing that. Um, Stitch Fix is different. Stitch Fix, you pay a subscription, and then every month they send you a box of clothes. And yeah. if you don't like them, you return them. But you've all, you kind of you've paid for them. And so again, similar thing. You look at different um, uh, colors you like, and you know they look at you. You sort of like talk about your build, your sizes, you know, yeah. your complexion, all that kind of stuff. This looks that you don't like and everything. And they send you a box. And I've got to say. <clears throat> the first box that they sent me, it it couldn't have been worse in terms of how it made me look like. Libby was just like, you look like some kind, you look like you should be in Marbella or something. It was all kind of like pale blue, check, white jeans, fade. I'm like, it's so far away. I mean, I, I was just like, you, you see, should have been on... Um... You did see my age in this. Like, I'm 42. Like, the, 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 no 42-year-old would ever be able to get away with wearing this. And it was all it was all about, like, a size too small as well. So he should have been on the Jersey size. Shore, basically. Oh, it was awful. It was really awful. I, but I think, generally, you know, those those things are quite good. You should try something like Thread, because they have – it's it's they, they pick out stuff that's really good, um, and – and it matches you really well. And I've, I've, I've found it, that's really the only place that I kind of buy from now when it comes to clothes, because stuff on the high street is awful. Well, as soon as I, I'm still in, I'm not in spending mode yet. So I, I've, I've, I've been out of spending mode since I quit my job <laughs> eight years ago. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as I get money coming back in properly, and I feel confident of having cash, that's when I'll start buying stuff other than reduced price, closing down sales. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> but onto some onto some running news. We've uh, well, one thing I wanted to highlight that I thought was super cute that might be of interest to anyone with with kids or with nephews and things. Have you seen the way Rat Race is now marketing for future customers? No. They've done a few. They've done a future explorers. It's really nice idea. So. We've, we've spoken about Rat Race a lot in the past. Ali's obviously one of their uh, test pilots, and I think she's now got an official title that sounds super cool. Um, and they're the, the company where if you want to go to pretty much the most epic places on Earth, they put on the races there. So they've got, you know, across the desert in Namibia, the frozen ice lake in Mongolia. So what they're doing 
they're marketing to your children. Oh, and nice. so you can every week you can go online and there's a little a little pack that they can get and they can go through looking at the the stories of the different places they can make things like it's a proper blue peter style um here's an activity pack for your kids that is all about marketing to the family the idea of you going off to these places <laughs> and spending like... a huge amount of money <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing do you know that's good i, I think is i can see that because you do need to get buy-in you need to get buy-in from from the partner you need to get buy-in because the, you know the, you want the children to get excited about it because if you say oh i'm doing it so the children are proud of me it's so hard for people to say, oh, but you're spending nine grand of our savings on, on your little seven day jaunt across that. So you can get a medal and some good pictures for social media. Yeah, I love that idea. Mummy, mummy, can we go? Well, children, mummy can. But the bad news is you won't be able to go on holidays for two years because mummy's going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm, let's think two weeks in an all-inclusive or mummy looks epic in mongolia ching ching but um but yeah have a look if, if you've got any kids they do look quite fun actually um my I'll niece is sadly my niece is 16 so probably wouldn't be that excited by it but um other race news and this one this one is uh i, I in sad in some ways we we mentioned it just before we started recording so um marathon de sabs they're doing they're doing sales. They're doing a auction as well of items of Patrick's, and they're also doing flash sales of places, which, in oh, some ways, is hey, auctioning items of Patrick's. That sounds like he like he's like destitute and he's just gonna buy anything. But we're giving you my car, my house. It sounds. It, it, is it kind of like a fire sale? They're they're doing it all for they. They've got an association and. I, I I don't actually know too much about the association. I think it, they it goes towards a literary uh, a literary centre, and they've got various other things um, that does good in the community. But yeah, they're they're, they're cool memorabilia connected to the Marathon de Sabs. So the, the they're really weird though. So for example, you can get two Punu masks from Gabon's emblematic ethnic group. What? What? I don't understand. What did you just say? So they're they're two face masks that come from some some tribe in Gabon. So that's how, one of the things. How is that connected to MDS? I mean, I I don't true. They they it seems to be that I think because Patrick has he's he's quite a an interesting character who's yeah. done a lot of exploration. It oh, seems I to be see. mainly so, stuff yeah. from his house. So there's a there's a watch, for example. Oh, yeah. Um it's called an octopus MDS number one watch. There's a Moroccan Berber painting. There's a, a chain and gold plaque engraved race director Patrick Bauer. How much do you think that one's going for? No idea. How much? So it looks like the dog chains that you get in America. Oh yeah. Current bid, two thousand two hundred and fifty. Yeah, <laughs> insane, right? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'd get another oh. ten of those made up. <laughs> oh, and the, uh, the apparently the items sold at the price of gold. So it's a gold. It's it's bloody gold. So he did you know that Patrick Bauer has a gold dog tag? <laughs> well, had a gold dog tag. Holy <laughs> crap! That is baller. Yeah, that is baller. That's the type of thing you'd expect to see on a gangster rapper. Wow, maybe that. we, maybe he's he's appealing to the wrong community. He should be getting out there to the Bloods and the Crips and saying, hey, "Come on, guys, <laughs> who wants to get this gangster dog tag?" Um, yeah, so that's going on at the moment. So if um, if you want to get something that is pretty whack job for your house, you have got too much money, then get onto the Marathon Savile website. But interestingly enough, they're also selling their places fairly last minute, which has never really happened before. I don't know how it was when you applied, but I I knew probably 18 months in advance, maybe uh, maybe at least a year before the the run was happening that I was getting my place. But you can now get them for this summer. They've they've moved it to the summer, and I, and I guess they're trying to make it larger, yeah. um, which is hopefully hopefully good good for better access. But you you do worry what that means for the finances, whether this is driven by financial needs um and you know is this just a sign of how how races are going to struggle in the new post-pandemic um world yeah so the, the, the thing about the mds much, as well how much do you do you say you have to bid in them or the, are there starting bids for those so that was the that's what i was slightly confused by because it was in the same email but i'll have a quick look what the prices are the the thing about the MDS, it in, oh you've got to go through a registration to then get through. I've no idea. It doesn't say the price, but the MDS almost had. It's a bit like Glastonbury and Black Friday sales, where you had to register. To, I've not been to Glastonbury, but I'm I'm thinking that you're not talking in terms of the experience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is very comparable. I was I was bunged up with Amadeus for the whole I period. I didn't, I, didn't take, I didn't take mushrooms on the uh, on the MDS, if I recall. <laughs> although, although at the end of the long day, it felt like I had. Yeah, I mean, you have you have similar hallucinations <laughs> that just created in a very different way, but. Um, it, well, they it, a lot of the MDS was was kind of driven by that mad rush for places, and you had to register and and try and get your ticket on the day that yeah. the tickets came out, the places came out, and I've, it is is that similar scenario that you get at nightclubs where even when it's empty inside, the bouncer won't let you in because. Yeah. They want to create that buzz, it's that and so that excitement, isn't it? That you used to get when you when you when you weren't old enough to go into pubs, and you yeah. didn't know, you didn't know whether your night was gonna was gonna be a full night of drinking or whether you're going home early. And that excitement, you lose that when when you're guaranteed <laughs> entry. It's it, it, it's it's rubbish. <laughs> well, maybe we. I mean, we can introduce that if you want. Well, how about every time you leave a pub, you smash a pint glass on the wall. The next time you go back, you don't know if you're going to be allowed in. To be fair, that is pretty much my twenties, anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see whether a lot of brands that the excitement is driven by the fact that it is so hard to get a place. And once you pop that bubble, does that demystify it almost? And and does does that then reduce the desire to be part of it? Um, because 
people are saying I didn't get a place or you better you better book early and it, it adds to the excitement of of the build-up so yeah. that's that's going to be interesting to see with races like the MDS similar to the UTMB it's partly because internationals couldn't go there but you could get a last minute UTMB place so will that mean next year the actual demand for the places from within France will be reduced because it does devalue the brand somewhat so is you know is, is this for the MDS, there's now some some great race series like Ultra X is has found its feet, has got so many races across the world, and they're putting out mid-sized prize pots, so they're attracting really top-end athletes. You know, is this the time when we actually see a transition from the big running brands that have been there for so many years that they're number one, and transitioning to these more startup races? Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, yeah. Happening. yeah, and and I think actually it's a good thing, maybe not for something like the MDS where you know they rely on big numbers, but we've been saying for years that UTMB is it's it's idolised too much, and also they're they're basically real knobs, the organisers, and. <laughs> in what they allow and all these other rules and various yeah. things you know they've got a monopoly and as with all things with monopolies you become they, they abuse it yeah yeah absolutely um but before we get on to the guests one other thing in running i thought we'd mention is have you seen the enduring watch i think it's called the enduring watch the, the new phoenix watch from garmin i i can pretty much guarantee that i have not seen um, I, I, can't, I haven't even seen my own Garmin for a while, actually. So, so I now, I've seen this. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you Enduro Watch. I was gonna ask you how much it costs, but I've already told you. I was gonna do the how much can you <laughs> oh, get so gonna, so pretend, before we start speaking. Is it two hundred? <laughs> is it two hundred? That's, that's a lot of money. Is it four hundred pounds? That's a lot of money. You're not telling me it's more than four hundred pounds, are you, David? That, I mean, this is the thing. It's now coming on. It's seven hundred pounds. What? £800 if you get the Titania one, because, I mean, why wouldn't you? It gets a 7 out of 10 on Wired, which, for a £700 watch. Does it, is it losing that because it's, is it, it's that amount of money? Wait a minute. I, what, the thing is, I struggle. What, 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 how do they justify it, £700? What does it do? Yeah, well, th that's the issue now, is the watches are, caught in this weird place where you've got the apple watch which is having increased functionality in bizarre ways that just isn't necessary for a running watch and running watches have come from a exercise usage but not a year-round usage because it yeah. takes you too long to charge and so they're almost trapped in this place where you have people that they're, they're we're now at the point where everyone who is serious about running has probably bought a watch at some point it might be that some people are now trying to strip back and, and look less at their data but where do they go because the market is saturated garmin is certainly the market leader um but there's a lot of competition chorus have come on with huge battery life and cheaper and you've got the Apple Watch offering all this functionality. So do they then start doing, you can now get emails, you can now get the almost, well, it, it makes, it, it kills the battery more because if you're constantly waiting for messages and it's, uh, it's constantly draining. So this one is 60 hours of life in use, all GPS mode. And they're saying it can last up to 
two years what? on low. I'll just double check that. That's in my head from when I read two the years. article last time. So if you don't use it for the GPS function, I'll just double check that. It's one, Sorry, those, it's, it's one of those stats that is totally pointless because why would you ever buy a watch <laughs> that has a GPS function for the GPS function and never use it? That's like it's like saying oh, you can have you oh, can have a pack of Chris. This watch, this watch lasts forever if you don't wear it and you keep <laughs> yeah. it in a, in a, a pack of Chris you cannot eat for two years and it's, yeah. it's <laughs> and it'll last. But yeah, like what, what ridiculous thing to suggest? I'll just I'll just double check that, but I, it's something along those lines. Oh, it's like, and, oh, I suppose with the GPS is on, it lasts an hour and a half. So it, it's capable of lasting 50 days in smart mode. What does that mean? And in fact, so I've got this completely wrong. So Nick, cut that bit. <laughs> uh, so the, the what it what it's doing is the the big difference is that it's got a <laughs> solar powered, right? So you, and, useless in the UK. <laughs> Yeah, um, and so if you use the the watch, you've got your 60 hours. If you use it when it's blazing sunshine, it then goes up to an extra 10 hours. It goes up to 70 hours. But also um, it says it can last 50 days in smartwatch mode, 65 days with solar power. So that is where you're not using it for your GPS function. It could, I haven't read it down into detail enough to know whether that means you can use it for really low accuracy running but um it it means it you can do the sleep monitoring and your heart rate through the day but apparently the feedback is that the actual the heart rate accuracy is still not that good which <laughs> as soon as you're paying 700 pounds you want everything don't you yeah you've got it i mean like accuracy is probably the most important aspect of it isn't it over anything else like, what's the point of getting data from your body if, if none of it's correct? Oh, yeah, it takes it takes readings of everything, but there's only 50% accuracy. Like, well, I can do that. I can, I can tell you that. You might as well just guess. Oh, yeah, my heart rate's at this at the moment. Uh, I reckon I got 12 hours of, uh, of, of light sleep last night. Like, what's the point? Oh, it just makes yeah. me wonder. It just, make, it just makes you wonder, doesn't it, what, what goes through people's minds. But our watch is the new, other the new shaver, the new razor. Are we looking? Are we now getting a seventh blade? Is that where we are with watches. <laughs> I suppose that's it, isn't it? You think why? Why don't they just? The thing is, I've been dealing with this a lot in terms of in, ter, in terms of like the business and other things as well. Why don't they just make mm. one that's really, really simple? They can still charge loads for it. How about that's it? You charge a huge amount of money for making something that's simple that probably has two features on it. But it does those two features with such accuracy that you can't it can't be beaten. Is there a watch that does that at the moment? Like it just it does it does heart rate monitoring and it does your GPS function and it does those things so incredibly well. It's like the leader in that. Is there something that does that at the moment? There's, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything that is is ever that accurate with heart rate monitoring. And actually, heart rate is not a great way to train because your heart lags and it's it's just you really need lactate and there's there there isn't a lactate watch yet and actually <laughs> it takes an injection every every half hour <laughs> well the the because you'll you'll see now because I, I was working on a with a company called zone two for a while but it was just taking so long and the the theory behind it is you you already have those watches that are claiming that they can give you very accurate glucose monitoring for people who are diabetic you've seen those being advertised yeah. It's the same theory along those. So 
the hope is that they can have a watch that can replicate the same thing. So it works pretty much like the the uh, heart rate watches in that it's constantly trying to shoot through shoot through light through your skin to get a judge of stuff. And as soon as we get that, because lactate is actually far more accurate to train to than heart rate. And that will be the first watch to do that is the watch that changes everything. So that when they say game changer, like heart rate training isn't really that much of a game changer because you still have heart rate lag. You know, after 10 minutes, your heart rate it, it drifts. Um, there's various, it, it, it takes a while for you to kick in when you're running. So it's just, you've got to be an expert before you can use it accurately. Whereas lactic is, as soon as you have your lactic threshold, you know, that's that determines your zones, is everything. So that is the watch that is coming. It could be there's a, a new brand that comes in with it. It might be that it's a um, from a medical device manufacturer. It could be that people like Garmin and your Polars are already trying to do it, but it's too expensive or too difficult. So um, until then, though, but it, it does seem that the forerunners and, you know, the in fact, every brand, Polar Watches, the Santos, um, they've all got a watch that's just good enough and does everything. And now it's just, do you want to receive your text? Do you want to play music? And these watches aren't built for it, really. Yeah. But who, who's going to buy this watch? Do batters. If, you, if you've got this watch or you're going to buy this watch, what's the most expensive watch you've bought? Email us and justify the expense. Have you bought a watch that's incredibly good and is worth the money? Or have you been sold a basically rattlesnake oil? Let us at badboyrunning.com. Uh, email us, let us know. But should we get on to... Let's do it. Oh, from, how are we going to segue this? From, from it must be from the ah okay from from watch from a watch whose cost is steep to a hill that's even steeper. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you have got a treat for you today? You've probably seen uh, Florence already on the documentary We Are the Champions, which we've mentioned previously on the podcast. But if you haven't seen that episode, um, oh well, actually, Florence, do you think they should see it first, or do you think it's better to just listen to you first before they see that? Well, I don't know. If you've seen it, great. If you haven't seen it, great. Uh, I don't know. I'll leave it up to everyone else. I think. Well, watch it at some point. <laughs> The podcast yeah, four times. Is it four times cheese rolling champion Florence Early? How it been since? Well, how how's it been since that doc? Well, it's been oh well since the doc. It's been pretty. Um, I mean, it's been pretty normal for me because I'm I'm just you know it's locked down still and and I live down in Cornwall's and I work as a forest school teacher. So my life has been carrying on pretty much just as normal. But, I mean, the last year has been pretty strange for everyone, hasn't it? Because <laughs> I, 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 from, from our point of view, it seems like you've been almost this revelation on, uh, on the internet, which <laughs> have, you, have you sensed any of that from, from in the forest? Or have, you know, has your your mailbox or your messaging or things being filling up yeah. or not from in the forest but my messaging like 
in the month, the couple of weeks afterwards, my just the amount of messages I got was really overwhelming. And I just sort of switched off from all of it, ignored it all, thought it would all, you know, something I'll have a look at one day, maybe. And then Instagram apparently deletes everything after a month. So I've, I've, I, yeah, that, that moment has definitely flown. But it was really overwhelming, for sure. Lots of people were messaging saying things like, you're an inspiration, which, and, and <laughs> you made me cry, and all of this sort of thing, which I thought was really hilarious actually um <laughs> what do you do that's the thing you did like we talked about this when when it came on the podcast and it did make me cry it was oh. it was, it was <laughs> <laughs> i mean i cry i cry at a lot of things but but it did make me cry and i and i and i showed it to my daughter as well because it was inspirational and it's the it's the weirdest thing because when you try and say to someone do you know what? I found this really inspirational uh, documentary about um, a young lady who threw herself down a hill chasing some cheese, which doesn't, you know, as a synopsis, doesn't work particularly well. But then when you see it in the way it was done, it was incredible. When, what did, what did all the people like surrounding you, like your friends and everything else, what, what was their reaction to, to, to seeing you on that? How, you know, did on, it? Did, well, on the show, when the show came out, every reaction from everyone close to me completely flipped. I mean, everybody who, who'd been around me around the actual event were awful. Everyone who loved me was, was horrible and, and for my own good kind of attitude. Everyone told me, you know, if you go down that hill, you're a massive idiot or you know, you're going to break your your they're going to break all your bones. You're not going to walk. You're going to, you know, not be able to have babies. They're saying everything that they You're not going to be able to have babies. That's yeah, <laughs> you know, there's anything that might be of a concern, you know, or a thought that I might have at some point of going, these are the things I, because I want to have, I want to have babies at some point, And my family know that um, at some point in the future. <laughs> so anything that would get under my skin or it, it was awful. And my parents wouldn't talk to me about it at all. Um, the the guys from the the Netflix show had contacted me, uh, you know, a few months before. Just shut this door. Um, a few months before they came down from LA, and I thought it was going to be about you know maybe an interview to begin with, yeah. and I and I wasn't going to run it as well. So it was all kind of, I was I I just wasn't fussed about being on telly at all, and thought oh god how awful. Um, and I was so lucky, really, that they were so kind and uh, generous, I think, with how they shot it, because um, it was it was a really nice, wholesome show. And <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but it's Absolutely. quite. It's quite... And do you, do you think. Do you think they came with the intention of trying to get you to do it one more last time? Or did, did, do you think they didn't necessarily need that? For the documentary but it just so happened that you thought come on let's do this well <laughs> i don't know if i'm allowed to swear but <laughs> um in the in so i wasn't going to run it ever again i decided that last year after i i dislocated my collarbone and that was the first time i'd in in my life so not just to do with the cheese rolling but that was the first time i'd had an injury that had really set me back for a good mm. you know i wasn't quite right for a good six months after that and I was just like that's that's not worth it this is you know don't be don't be an idiot <laughs> I agreed with everyone and all the words <laughs> that they were saying to me in the run-up to it so 
with this uh, guy, Nick, who was making this show, um, he was from, you know, not so far from where I grew up. And he was kind of my kind of person. He was a creative and, and a, a good guy. And we kind of built up, a, a I guess, a relationship from um, of him just talking about his ideas for the show. And, you know, maybe we could do, maybe it was a bit more than an interview and then it turned into a bit more and then it turned into, so basically we can't do the episode if you say, if you don't run it. Which is a bit I might not be allowed to say. <laughs> My um, children will starve without you doing yeah, this right. It was kind of like they. I I liked him. I liked his style. You know, I knew he would make something nice, and you know, so I, I I as soon as someone says that they can't do their art without you, then or whatever it is, then oh, then you were his I'm muse. Yeah, so that was that was it. I was just like, oh, <laughs> and then what, suddenly. Yeah. In the weeks after that, there was sort of quite a lot more traffic coming my way. There were more people talking to me and, and you know, like um, producers and the director, you know, different people who were part of that. And I guess, you know, it suddenly felt a bit more real. And then it sort of kicked in to myself going, oh, bugger, I'm running this thing again. <laughs> and also there's a bit more of a, uh, there's a bit more sort of expectation or, or um, what's the word? You know, I felt like I had to. Well, I should have had to try to win it, and I, ugh, I was, I was bracing myself for what was going to break. <laughs> when, when the documentary we, finally were came you more out, scared? Even, even, even with that, all that in mind, when the documentary finally came out, were you? Did, was that the amount of about you that you expected, or did you expect it to be less about you? I mean, or were you surprised by just how central a role you were to that entire totally. episode? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, when they were, when they actually came down and they were spending quite a lot of time with me, I, re you know, it was pretty obvious that, that I guess they, that I was being profiled quite <laughs> a lot in this. Um, you know, sudden, you know, there was things I didn't really know was what was going on from one day to the next, but, but I went with the flow and it was great <laughs> and it was a really good, it was a really good week actually, and I'm so glad that it all happened and that you know, my first instincts to, to say no. I'm glad they changed my mind <laughs> because, you know, I got to meet a really cool crew of people. And actually what came out of this was that the world, you know, I, I part of the reason I didn't really want to be on television, who wants to, I didn't want to be exposed. I was feeling like, God, I've passed the age or passed the point in my life where the idea of being on telly is that, great or <laughs> you know that cool I thought god so when it actually came out and all the feedback from strangers and 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 people I love was positive it was it yeah it was really nice and it's been quite different to what I expected what I like is that in any coverage of you and it, it was also this thing in any coverage of you when I look, looked at any of the articles and stuff like that your parents are always mentioned for a sentence about how they're unhappy <laughs> <laughs> your parents are always meant there's always a sentence about how your parents are unhappy that you're running it <laughs> yeah they were not happy but they've never been happy about me right like they never knew and and to your question earlier, David, yeah, I was so much more scared this time than any other race. Um, and, and the reason was because this time I knew I was going to run it. Every other time it wasn't planned or it wasn't, you know, I didn't go there 
you know, I went as a spectator <laughs> and just couldn't resist. But it, the thing is, it looks like that when you're in those other the other times you compete. It looks as though have you just come back from the pub, or yeah. are you still up after a night out? Or... Well, and I was, but and the first time I ran it in wellies. You know, it's, it's I've never gone prepared. <laughs> <laughs> but this time it was it was that knowing I was about to do something that really, once you're coming down that hill, you have no control at all of what's going to happen. You know how you're going to fall. You can't control gravity really in that <laughs> in that way so you're going to come down and you're going to come down hard it's just which point of your body is going to hit the floor and I was really afraid of my neck you know of breaking my neck and my family were really afraid of that um they they didn't want to they didn't talk to me about the Netflix guys coming down I think they were quite surprised about it all when they actually did show up <laughs> and it all kind of happened but they wouldn't talk to me. They they never came to watch. Um, they wouldn't talk to me about it at all. It's sort of as soon as I try and bring it up because it's happening and and this and that is happening in this next week and maybe we could talk about it. They say, nope. You know how we feel. We're not discussing it. So, so <laughs> that was that. <laughs> and until that actual interview on camera, they hadn't talked about it to me. They wouldn't. They wouldn't discuss it. <laughs> and what? What have they said about it? Have they seen the documentary? And what did they make they of it? Like, do it. they get it now? Or? Totally. They 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 loved the documentary. They felt. I think. I think they were really. I think Dad was just proud that I was quite articulate. I guess in it, um, <laughs> <laughs> and didn't sort of say the wrong thing, perhaps. <laughs> um, but I think we were all relieved as well that it was such a lovely. You know, it's a really wholesome thing, and and like you said, it's something you can watch with your kids, and everyone can hopefully get a little something from it. Yeah, but you watch it with your kids, you say never do this, but watch this exactly. inspirational person doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> well, for the for the listener that haven't seen the documentary yet or don't know about Cooper's Hill, like wait, let's go back to that that first one. Then, how would you describe the cheese rolling event? Well, Cooper's Hill is, it's, I mean, it's a really, really steep hill. It's sort of, it's like looking off down a cliff that's covered in grass, but it's still very solid ground. And it's as if somebody's taken, you know, craters out of it all over the place. Um, and you can't see them because of the way the grass is grown. So until you're coming down, you, you don't really know your footing. Um, it's... It's about 120, I guess, meters long, um, and it's it's really really steep. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about it. I think you have to really. And are you local then? The and, sorry. Are you local then? Do you, is it, do you know? Have you known of the hill your whole life, and yes. have you grown up with this event as part of the I, local I culture for in, you? So I was born in the house my mum and dad still live in. Um, and that's about 15, 50 minutes drive from the hill. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. So that's always been there. And it was always something to go and watch. And, um, you know, it's it probably like watching gladiators or something. You all go and everyone's traveling across the hills because the police have shut the roads for about three miles around <laughs> the hill. Everything, everyone, you know, <laughs> in charge is trying to stop this thing from happening. But actually, it brings everybody out of the woodworks. Everyone's on foot walking through fields. You go into the woods and you can just see people from every, you know, 
behind trees coming out of nowhere. And it's sort of like, when else will you get to go to this bizarre event where people throw themselves down something or get get involved in something that really they're the only people who are going to get hurt <laughs> a little bonus um <laughs> not that they're getting hurt but that no one else is getting hurt and something <laughs> that is really um i don't know it's it's really sort of it, uh, it feels really human <laughs> and, and, and is it something it feels really at odds with how much of society is as well it's so dangerous and you know and it's really interesting because the way that they portrayed it in the documentary was as though the police were just like well there's no official organizer so we can't really do anything about it yeah. I, I take it the reality is a little bit different that they are a uh, bit more well not that different there's uh, there's people who um who are on the show who are always the people who you know make sure it comes together and that there are hay bales trying to stop cheese at the bottom and that you know people are being safe and that it can go ahead in the best way that it can but I mean I guess nothing is official because when it's official then people can be held accountable <laughs> David runs events like that all the time right David? Perfect. Yeah. Well, I'd like to hear more about you know, like to go to some other events like that <laughs> I just and about this, um... just the. Oh, sorry. Carry on, Frost. <laughs> no, you. No, you. <laughs> and you go ahead. You just heard about. Oh, I just heard about this thing. I just saw a video, uh, of this thing called. I think it's called like slippery pole race or something. And it's this pole in somewhere in America, um, that's off a pier, and it's a huge long pole. I don't know. If, I don't think it's actually called Slippery Pole Race, but I think it's something like that. It is now. <laughs> it is now, exactly. <laughs> I bet people who are listening will know what I'm actually talking about. But it's this pole that's off the end of a pier that's covered in, I don't know what it is, but it looks like it's sort of, it could be um, like butter. Be lard or? Lard, exactly. <laughs> something really oily and thick. And it's all the way, and people have to run across it and try and jump off the end <laughs> into the sea. And I think whoever gets to the end and gets the flag. But this video just shows people just, just going in every direction except for forward. And it's brilliant. I wanna, That's my next goal in life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with this race, in the local community, are the people that take part seen as, like, do, do people know them? down the pub are they people that they walk in as heroes or are they known as the local nut jobs or does everyone have a go at some point i really i really don't know i mean it's not I, like i'm not from the immediate local crowd mm. which i think are a bit more sort of like maybe maybe there's a loyal following to the cheese or i don't know but i i've always just turned up for the for the jolly and then and then just happened to win but i've always you know gone off to my local pub which is not i you know i, I feel like i'm i'm probably the doing the wrong thing here probably wrongly admitting this so. <laughs> but, <laughs> but i mean definitely in the last the last time i ran people uh were aware of who i was there with of who i was i don't i mean i know chris is super he's the real he's he's the kind of champion of this thing so everybody knows of Chris 
but this was the first mm. time I raced where people were chanting my name at the start and that was really like it's it <laughs> never happened before <laughs> it's <was> really sweet <laughs> and that first year then you did you like, did you have an inkling that you might take part you, you mentioned that you turned up to watch but like, w are you adventurous and would your friends have said that they could would they have expected you to have jumped in I don't think anyone was surprised <laughs> that I took part. I think everyone was surprised that I won, probably, but just because it was all a bit, it, like it was just, it was all just a bit funny at the time. You know, I, I went in wellies and a coat, a, ra a big, you know, down to my knees raincoat. So, well, actually, it wasn't, but <laughs> but I really wasn't dressed for the race. I wasn't planning to go. We were in, the, you know, we were in the rain and we all just rocked up for the fun of it, and. I just, I, I mean, they were lining up the women at the top, and I literally ducked under the fence as they were counting the kind of the countdown to the race. So it was, it was definitely a in the moment decision to run that time. And then everyone got so excited that I won, but but kind of from there, then the next time I came, actually went to the race, which wasn't for another maybe ten years. Then there was this sort of come on, Flo, are you gonna do it? <laughs> that time, <laughs> it sort of changed from there. <laughs> and and that, 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 that first time, you, you just you just rock up and that's it. You know, there's yeah. of course, yeah. I suppose you don't have to it's... sign your name, or or maybe you do, but I've never done it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just turn up, and yeah, when they call for the next race, you you make sure you're in that that like line. You're on the on the front line. And talk us through what actually how you feel when you like the, the very first time you started down the hill like at which point did you lose control and and then what what does it feel like to actually be through that it's it, the race is over in about 11 seconds so it's a very it's a very short amount of time you don't have much time to think at all um once you're off i mean i guess it's like if you dive off a diving board or something, there's a split a few seconds in the air, but you're not really thinking very much. You're just in it. And actually, I heard a, a word, a new word that I love uh, <laughs> because it's called flow state. And apparently that is the state that you're in when or that apparently this is a thing that they say in surfing world when you're in the tunnel. I'd never heard that, but I thought that's probably pretty close to it. In it in the race you, you're falling a lot but actually you're not you know it's like being winded but you don't notice you don't feel the pain of it you're just take it's taken out of you um and then it's over <laughs> it's over so quick so it's not it's you, you don't have time to think what do you what do you I'm, think it is that, make, that that makes you so consistently successful at it that that's what what do you pinpoint it down to because they say it's it's no coincidence that you've you've won all the times you've competed. Mm. So what is, what is it you think you do differently? I mean, it must be hard. You can't be other people. Because, so you don't know what other people I'm do. Because I'm me, but... I don't really know. I don't know why everyone else doesn't win. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's because like, I I don't know. I think I think I just just really leap for it. I think I just really go for it like it's a race. And I think some people are running, but but they're kind of trying to get down that hill safely. Whereas I'm going, I'm, I'm, we're running, we're running, we're running a race now. So here we go. And it, you know, the logical side of my brain just disappears the moment I have to start, because at that point, if you don't, 
really go go for it you're not gonna win <laughs> and i want to win <laughs> and and are you have you been a gymnast have you been a you know, trampolinist or runner do you have you built up only any hobby, only for fun but I, I don't do anything too seriously <laughs> fitness wise um if i'm honest um i i try i went to a gymnastics class uh, about a year ago my first ever class and i thought i thought it would be the sort of thing where i'd walk in and they'd give me some beginners exercises or something like that instead they lined us up and started saying terms that i don't i can't even remember the words i think it was something flippity flop something terms i've never heard of and everyone started doing these you know back i don't know what they were doing because i don't know what it's called but and then, and then it got to my turn, turn and it was just roly-polies. It was so awful. I never went back. I'm looking for a sport now that I can go off to do as a little adventure. I need something that's that's fun, that makes me get up and get excited to go and do it. And, and you know, it's right now it's not running for me, per se, but I, I like anything that's that's quite exciting. Um, on Christmas Eve, I got uh, invited. I went to the pub for the first time in ages on Christmas Eve when I was back visiting my parents. And uh, I met a guy who said, I saw you on Netflix. I'm going to take you paragliding in the morning. So on Christmas morning at seven in the morning, and this is before the sun had risen, we went to this hill and I'd never paraglided before. So this was a really... This was a great start to Christmas, but it was so exciting and it was it got my heart racing. It got mm. everything flowing. And I was like, oh, gosh, I wish I lived up a mountain or had, you know, access to <laughs> <laughs> this kind of thing more often, because that that would be my kind of sport, I think, if you can call it that. Although I, I would be somewhat nervous of paragliding with someone while it's still dark having been drinking them all night the previous <laughs> night that, that to me it's might like, be rising. Gave me everything i needed is that what people expect of you now like when the, you, you know if you, you become associated with this they're like okay i've got something mental you can come and do and you're the person to do it with me i mean do you I kind of really get loads hope, of offers like I that i really hope that is what happens you know if this if that's what comes of this then that is that's that's the dream i think for me so <laughs> have you have you had, going, i suppose you haven't had, probably had a lot of offers because because of lockdown or anything but exactly. have, have you have has anyone tried to get in contact and say oh we've got this amazing adventure we you know what no you should, what i'd love it if they did go on get in touch with me <laughs> <laughs> um no not really i mean it's to be honest everything's been so chilled this year and i've been you know busy i i work in the woods so my when i'm at work i'm outside in the woods with little tiny people um and it's it's it gets me out it gets me doing these bits and bobs but i've been pretty f sort of that's been my world at the moment just just checking do back. you do you mean children or are there little tiny people <laughs> in, <laughs> in woods where that is that is west country been in you, the woods but... with the, elves and elves. <laughs> the magic mushrooms yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, had had you after like your first, second, or even third game? Then did, 
did you do any training other than the the training we saw on the television you know had did you give any thought into actually what you're going to be doing no not at all i mean the training on the television was the only training i, I love how that was set up that looks that looks so authentic <laughs> yeah <laughs> well all of it was really i mean they they i mean, say you say that it's authentic but it you know, it was set up in a sense, but they didn't make us do anything. Everything was, you know, Chris just decided on the spot that that's what I needed to do. And and then I felt, you know, after about four times, I was going, actually, this this is really not, I don't like this, doing this, <laughs> that rolling down the hill bit. That was really uncomfortable. <laughs> so, you didn't like the practicing bit. Well, I mean, I guess in a way, if you like running off road or if you like, you know, going down hills that are not typical footfall hills, then then that's practice in itself, or just having fun, or climbing yeah. trees, or doing whatever. You know, because when you're on the hill, I guess the only thing you can do to help yourself is be really good at picking your footing quickly. Is you know, you don't get to get into a pace; you just have to go really fast and hope that your foot lands somewhere that will is not an edge, a curve. You know, and I think that's how I broke my ankle this year, or last year, sorry, um, or the year before now. Gosh, 2021, aren't we? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but um was just that it landed on a bit where, the, where it was a crater, so it had nowhere to go. And, and yeah, so that, that was me not doing what I'm talking about. <laughs> and do you, do you remember those incidents actually happening with the, your shoulder and your ankle? or? Is it more at the end of the 11 seconds? You're just aware that it's not how it was. Uh, with the shoulder, I, I knew I'd come down on my shoulders pretty hard because I, I, I was really winded. You know, I couldn't, I didn't think I took a breath the whole way down. It was just sort of like, oh, God, here we go again. But when I got to the bottom and sort of, I think I was just sat on the floor and I can't really remember. I think I was quite concussed at the time, actually. But I feel mm. like... I tried to move something that I don't think anything hurt at that point. And I think I tried to move my arm in some direction and it just didn't go <laughs> or it didn't go in the right. It didn't go quite right. And I looked over at my shoulder and I could see this egg on it. I was like, oh, that's that's a bone that shouldn't be sticking out there. Um, but I didn't until I looked at it. I didn't notice, you know, I wouldn't have noticed it was there. <laughs> otherwise, I don't think you could just see the looks on the faces of these paramedics trying to help me. Just, just sort of like, just looking a bit sort of shocked. <laughs> but I was. And like, how do you, how, how do you view that incident now? With, I guess the the hindsight that your parents probably <laughs> had the foresight of. But do do you have any regrets at all about it? No, you can't have any. No, no regrets. But I wouldn't want my daughter to do it if I had one. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I wouldn't want anyone, actually, I know, to do it, <laughs> I don't think. And, and do you... Oh, go ahead, Jenny. No, no, I was just, uh, uh, I was just wondering, you know, in, in many ways. I mean, I think this, this is, the event has been covered in lots of different ways, but not quite in the kind of the epic way that it's been done. I mean, like you said, it was proper Hollywood production. It was amazing, just a, beautifully done, a really inspirational. But is there a concern that almost, you know, that it's going to draw people to it from well outside the area and make it a little bit more famous, which may in some ways risk 
it you know it being put on again because you know I know that you know there's, there's certain events that sometimes when they become a little bit popular or they become so well known. I mean, this is globally known now. It's well, this, all, I suppose it's always kind all, of known. I mean, this was kind of getting to that point already. What was it? it? The, yeah, from when I first ran it. it I mean, it, I think my the one when I ran it when I was seventeen. I don't think it was even really documented. I mean, people didn't. I don't know if people even had iPhones at that point. I don't know what was normal at that point, but it it wasn't on YouTube. You know, I I don't think I even knew what YouTube was at that stage. And it wasn't, there wasn't, I don't think there was any such thing as viral at that point either. So suddenly in the later uh, races, suddenly things go a bit, you know, it's a little bit strange. And then there's all these people chatting about something that's been always a local event to you. and yeah, it's a it's a strange one, but I think and this time it's it's because it was such a positive production. I think hopefully it's just going to bring a really positive crowd and and hope. <laughs> and has it has it been noticeable since like the advent of of things like YouTube and social media? Has it been noticeable about the amount of people turning up Massively. to? I mean, I think go, yeah. Well, the second so first time I ran it, I don't think anyone saw it. Second time <laughs> I got sent a video that had sixty million views, and it was of me running down that hill, and it's just. Which just I can't get that doesn't you know compute with me. I don't understand that. Mm. <laughs> but that's normal these days, isn't it? With anything, anything yeah. that's sort of anything that could go viral, whether it's well, no, it's none of the things we've ever produced is. Yeah, but it's but good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, that goes viral. Good stuff. <laughs> people that people like dogs singing. You know what goes viral? It's all it's all a strange world out there isn't it it's really funny because i've got i've got a friend in the us and i was I, he, he mentioned i think he mentioned cheese rolling in an email that he sent out and uh, to to his clients and i'm on i'm on his email list and i, I sent the message back saying that we were interviewed and he's like yeah i've got a friend uh i think it's over in like washington state whatever who's obsessed with you and so you, you need to let me know. Like the fact that you've got someone the other way around the world who's obsessed with you must be a very, very odd feeling. I don't really believe it though, so I don't I don't think I really, you know, take any of it seriously. <laughs> like you know, in the in the in right after the show came out, there was so many messages like that. People sharing a lot of stuff. I wasn't I just wasn't expecting any of it. And I think I was just so relieved that people weren't saying you know, you're awful, and and I was, I was getting also relieved that I didn't think I was awful as well when I watched this. <laughs> great, I am great on oh, camera. I'm, I'm all right. I'd be friendly. Few. Did you get any negativity? Did you get people saying what you're doing is terrible or no. what you're doing? You didn't. No, at all. nothing. Like it's really. Not even Piers Morgan. Not even. No, it all feel good. <laughs> all, like, yeah, everyone has been so positive, and it really shifted my view of the internet. Because to be honest, I I prefer to stay out of the whole thing. I don't, you know, I think there's I have, people are awful when they're hiding behind computers, and just yeah, it's not for me. But actually, everyone was lovely, and I was a bit taken aback. <laughs> no, I don't know how to respond to it either way. I think actually, people are so lovely um, um you know somebody i haven't met yet then it's that it's quite strange to hear as much as it's strange to hear someone who doesn't have you haven't met yet say you're awful it's sort of like well what are you going to do about it either way 
And, and with the influx of, you've mentioned how the numbers have grown and changed. And I, I'm assuming with that, almost the the look and the, the background of the individuals there also slightly different. But do you get a sense that has that, has that changed the approach that people have to the race? Are, are people turning up who are slightly less aware or slightly more gun-ho or are people there just to tick that box now as opposed to actually compete? I, I suppose there's definitely more competitors from around the world coming as they're coming and they have a mission and they all think they're going to win. Mm. Um, <laughs> but there's also lots of people who come, you know, often the most confident or the biggest kind of like rugby player or you know football or whatever who goes i'm gonna come and do this thing and they watch that hill they watch the first race they see everyone taken off and, <laughs> and they change their mind pretty quickly so you know it's kind of fun to watch that side of it too and just also how seriously some people take it i suppose that's become more of a thing since it's been advertised because people build this up and i suppose if you're paying for a plane ticket to go and do something you you're probably pretty keen um but i think i I kind of think it's great just yeah if you want to do it do it and and that's i mean that's i forgot that people had the chance to see the race before they do the race because that Mm. that to me is true bravery like the doing the first race is stupidity doing the second race is bravery because you've seen quite how damaged you've seen the people being carried off and <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know it's i don't i i think you watch this mm, I, i'm trying to answer this question from and also remember how i actually felt when i was there because mm. i remember watching the first race and it's sort of quite exciting to watch people jump off but then you don't ever really see them going the whole way down. You just see a bit of them because you're in with a crowd and you're all clinging onto trees to stop yourselves from falling down the hill as spectators. Mm. So, you know, it's, you only get to see bits as until you get to look over the fence. But when you, you really feel it when you get to the top and you're looking down and you're on, on the other side and it feels like you can't go back now <laughs> because there's a wall of people keeping you there. And you can see it, and there's this sort of build-up, and I think it's only it's only like four seconds of him counting, but it feels it feels well. Actually, no, that's not true. There's usually a period where before he counts, you're just standing there, and they're making sure everything's clear. So there is this this maybe five to ten minutes of just staring down that hill, and getting more and more sort of. I, I well, more and more something definitely I, I definitely think everyone mm. goes into a certain state during that point and it's where you're you know you're you're totally afraid this is something people people keep saying this girl is fearless this is a comment I've I've read quite a lot and that is that couldn't be further from the truth when you're in that moment I think that's the most scared I get is when I'm looking down that hill and going oh god I'm doing it and I'm really going to do it and it's almost taking that fear and enjoying it, if that makes any sense at all, going, wow, this really scares me and I'm going to go and do it. And afterwards, there's this sort of zen. I think I lived in a sort of state of everything is cool and everything <laughs> is chill for about six months after. <laughs> Nothing really wow. you No, know, It's really good. 
feeling. And have you had that rush or that feeling of, of fear and then focus from anything else in life? I mean, other than heroin, you know, other anything else you'd... Uh... <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I haven't taken heroin. <laughs> Mum and Dad, just to clarify. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't think so. I don't think anything else has made me that kind of... I don't get that scared, really, generally. If I feel like I'm in control, but the good, the thing about that hill is you're not really in control at all. And if you, you know, when you still go for it and then you're fine afterwards or a bit battered about, but you're fine. It's sort of, and every, everything that I was worried about happening didn't happen. And I think that was, there was a, somewhere in there, there was a lesson. <laughs> I'd say there's so many metaphors here. There's so many lessons. You could all, you've almost patented a, a type of therapy here, yeah. almost. If you, yeah. could, if you, you know, about... It's the way to go. It's like... Eat your fear. Do you think with... You've mentioned how you, were, you went paragliding and you're quite open and excited about the opportunities to do these slightly more unusual and extreme activities. Is that because of of that desire to get some kind of rush or is it because you're you, you're just yeah. more open now having well like extreme maybe not ext- i mean i want to i'd love it if someone had a kayak I, that's what i really like to get soon i live right by the sea now so um i'd really like to start going for adventures on the ocean but with paragliding I mean, it's kind of extreme, but actually, once you're in the air, it's like holding onto a balloon. You feel so relaxed. It's not you're not doing anything. You're not running around. You know, it's nothing. It's not that much action. It's it's so it feels it's kind of funny that it's is it an extreme sport because it feels very you know it feels very relaxing. Um, but anything mm. like that, I loved it because it was beautiful. You know, it was a beautiful way to watch the sunrise and to be. I've, you know, I've never sat on a kind of hammock seat from that height it was lovely that's why I like that but yeah anything anything that's a bit of an adventure now we've had quite a few questions from the group <laughs> the main one being what you've done with the cheeses oh gosh well most well first one my my dad he because he didn't know I was running first one I bought home he got really excited and carved it up and and I think it got divided between most of our friends, uh, anyone that popped in that day. And then the second one I I gave to uh, some family friends for a wedding present. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> they, they live in Wales in the mountains. And uh, my brother went to visit them a year later and they still had it as their table uh, centerpiece. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I think he had to kind of explain to them they were supposed to eat it. I can't imagine what it was going to be like in, on the inside at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> the third one, I, I, <laughs> well, I feel bad telling this story, but I, I shall. Um, which was that I, because I dislocated my collarbone, I ended up in hospital and then a bit out of action for a few days. I sent it off to London, where I was living at that stage, with my sister, and she put it in the boot of her car. And then forgot about it for a week. And anyway, we ended up having a party. Oh, God. I know, a couple of months later, we had a party at mine, and we thought, okay, or a month later. And at this point, I retrieved it from the back of her car and kept it in a fridge. 
but we opened it up for this party and the whole thing was just completely green. It was, it was, I think I was the only one who actually ate any of it. Oh. <laughs> and I stayed such a waste. And then the uh, fourth one, uh, I ate about, well, I say I ate, I, I managed to get through with, with help um, about half and <laughs> just before it was losing. <laughs> so when, and when, is when, it something... Sorry, David, you carry on. No, you, no, you go ahead, Jenny. No, no, I was going to change direction slightly. So if yours is still cheese related, I carry on. I mean, is, is it something you could preserve if you wanted to? Could you? Could it ever be kept as a memento, or it, does this type yeah, of cheese I'm sure, I'm just? I'm sure someone could. I'm sure someone could put it in a freezer. <laughs> but I mean, I've never tried. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask the cheese people. Don't the, the people who make cheese keep it in in like a uh in a, in a special room for months cheeseariums cheeseariums when you when you came back in in 2020 then when you came back last year to to mm. do it for a fourth time had the had the documentary come out by then or was that before when when did that take place well, the, so it's in it's in, it's in may every every year except last year because of coronavirus it wasn't on um, so it was the year before, and yeah, so it was actually quite a while ago. My hair's grown quite a bit since then. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was like a year and a half ago now. So it feels like an old, it's, it's something I kind of, just, just a distant memory for me. <laughs> and w will you go back just to watch? I'd love to go back. I want to go back and photograph, uh, photograph the hill. I, I photograph using only analog cameras and I have this beautiful large format camera and I just think that hill should be documented properly you know mm. documented with every single person coming down in a way where you can capture every expression on their faces that's what I'd really like to do although probably next time I'll, I'll go as a spectator and just have too much fun them it'd be work. great for someone to go down it in a zorb as well and to film it so that you can Everyone almost get that. <laughs> like, yeah a big marshmallow <laughs> there's actually there's surprisingly few it, from looking at it and i don't know street surprisingly few people in fancy dress you'd think it yeah. would be a classic fancy mm. dress type event but it, it I mean, I, you, you do see them. There's usually someone naked or semi-naked and someone as a spider-man or like <laughs> or a superwoman, or like no, no, no rhinos though, no rhinos or or, or diving helmets or. <laughs> I wanted to go. What did I want to wear? I wanted to go as a like a mouse or something. No, not a mouse. I wanted. To, like, I can't remember. <laughs> like, I wanted to go in one of those dog suits or something where you're where it looks like you're carrying someone else. But I thought it probably wasn't wasn't appropriate this last time. <laughs> what, what what I love about your outfits is that your outfits don't look like they're the kind of outfits of someone that's about to do the thing you're going to do. The kind of mm. the kind of outfits like you're you're about to go to the pub or something like that. That's that that's the <laughs> best part of it. I think there's, there's something pretty pretty <laughs> innocuous about it because I think the first time when you I think one of the first shots is seeing you sort of crouching there and it looks like you're crouching to watch it and then it kind of pans out a bit and you're oh you're actually competing like <laughs> yeah it, you, always just got up and got dressed in whatever's out <laughs> <laughs> now we've got um we do have quite a few questions but the uh it seems that our listeners got distracted by cheese puns so 
it's, it's, it's primarily a list of cheese buns. So, um, but they said that would be mental. They'll be mental if I don't ask a few. Um, but have you? Do you get a lot of cheese jokes now in your life? And if so, this is from Gareth Davies. What's your favourite cheese pun or joke? Oh, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit a blank, and I love cheese jokes now. Um, or well not now. I love cheese jokes, and I'm gonna hit a blank now. Oh, <laughs> but, that's no gooder. Come on, come on. <laughs> I know it's basic. Okay. It's basic. How, how do you get a bear out of a tree? Don't what know. cheese do you do to entice a bear out of a tree? Oh, I, I need to know the answer to this, but I'll let you say it. Come on, bear. <laughs> classic, yeah, classic. That's not, that's not. <laughs> There's so many, though. Pretty much every cheese can be turned into something. Some pun. And then the, the one question, two questions that are semi-serious. Um, Scott Dutton, any advice on shoes that you'd wear? Well, I've not had much luck. I mean, I wore trainers this last one. I thought that was me being sensible, but... But then this was the one that I broke my leg in. So, so my best years was when I was wearing wellies, um, <laughs> which I wouldn't really advise on um, either. Uh, and I don't know what I was wearing. Oh, I think the second time I was wearing blundstones, perhaps, or something like that. But I, I don't, those are the times I haven't hurt my legs. So basically not the sort of footwear you think you should wear. And I don't think wearing, um, what's, it, what's the ones people wear with... Um, Metal bits sticking out the bottom. Bikes. Uh, like hockey. Is it hockey? I don't know. But anyway, oh, one's studs. Like yeah. grip, grippy bits. I don't think you should do that either. <laughs> Basically, nothing that might end up actually getting your foot stuck on the hill. Oh, really? You think you might actually, you might leave your foot behind almost too much that would cause it to... But I, but I also don't think I'm the best person to ask because I've got no... You know, there's no evidence. Because you've got a broken leg. There's no scientific <laughs> thinking behind this. I don't know what I'm talking about, really, on that. So, <laughs> What I like is that you've got a skill that you're not entirely sure about how it manifests itself. And it's almost entirely non-transferable. <laughs> it's almost like asking the Hulk, asking David Banner about the Hulk. And he's like, I don't know. I just get angry and, like, break things. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> That's why I find these things really hard. These the idea of pod, not even podcasts, but interviews, because I feel like I'm probably not the most uh, equipped to give to, <laughs> to to you know tell people how to do it. I just do it. <laughs> but maybe and, that's maybe that's the key. And then <laughs> in the document in the documentary, the the, nar the narrative they created was between you and the uh, the most famous male winners. Cousin, sister, do you think yeah. she's going to continue? Do you think she'll continue racing? And cousin, oh, his niece. Uh, that's right. I think I think she she's going to be the well. I think she wants to be the five times winner one day. I think she'll do it if that's what she wants. I think she might get to you know three or four and go. Actually, I've had enough. But but she's set herself up now. <laughs> did she did she genuinely do it? it I, I didn't know when I was watching whether it felt like she'd been slightly pushed mm. into it in order to give you a little bit to to create that no, dramatic not tension. At all. Mm. No, oh, she really? was so into it. She came up to me. I so in the bit where I was doing roly polies with Chris because she's family. She came along. Or his, because she's his family, she came along to watch. And she came up to me. This was the first time 
one of the first, I think one of the first times we met, and she's like, I know where you got your trousers from. They were from here. And I didn't even, she knew how much they were. She knew where I got them, like where they, you can buy them. Like she was keen. She'd been watching videos. She'd seen this thing that I'd done and she wanted to do. I don't think it's because of me, but she, she, I guess, related to me because of, because I was 17 when I ran it first. Um, but she was great. She was in it because she was in it. And I think she also, uh, I always feel really uncomfortable talking about other people. It's always, it's really, it's always. Oh, we don't. That's fine. Oh, great. But I think her family was all, all a bit sort of like, you know, she's a girl. She can't do this kind of thing. And I think that gave her oh, really? you know, all the momentum mm -hmm. to show them. Um, and I, t I completely understand that. <laughs> if you know, if anything, going no, no, you, you've got an idea, but you're not right. So, so good for her. <laughs> and and I, that's what I think is nice about the documentary. Actually, is that it it shows that well, it, it gives such a positive role model for women, but just shows that also women can be as irresponsible as men at, at times. Exactly. So uh... <laughs> we can do whatever we like with our bodies. <laughs> Amazing. I, I, I need to. I need to find out before before we finish this up. I need to find out the, the very important question. Did they ever save the George Tavern? <laughs> it's still around. You can still you can still buy a pint. Oh, well, actually, I don't know if you can during lockdown, but <laughs> it's still going. Amazing. <laughs> They'll love that amazing. you gave them a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone else you want to give a shout out to? Oh God! Um, everybody, you're all great. <laughs> anyone that wants to put semi on amazing challenges that's it yeah everyone yeah shout out surely, to everybody surely yeah. after your performance netflix should be coming back to you i mean like you, it seems like you are you are set you could be set up for a classic adventure series of your own on netflix and i think it's so I, cool i see it i love that make that <laughs> happen I'm... you say to the, the guy who the creator who, who mm. who's you, you his muse go back to him and go look you owe me this. <laughs> yeah. Tell him you've run out of cheese and you want something else. Well, if anyone wants to help me make that happen, I'm all for it. <laughs> I mean, that would be the dream. If anything, you know, anything that cool that comes from it is is super cool. Yeah, then it's then it's great. <laughs> and if people do want to get in touch, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, well, uh, you can email me, I guess. Is this the sort of thing where you give your email out on a or maybe Instagram handle? Maybe Instagram yeah, or... Instagram. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Find me on Instagram. Yes, yes, that's the one. Yeah, find me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Florence Early or Florence underscore Early. I think. <laughs> I'm not much of an Instagrammer, but I am. I will get the message if I... <laughs> you won't get deleted. This time. <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah. for months and then find out. That <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well. Congratulations on four incredible performances. We wish you luck for the next time you turn up and end up doing it as well. And uh, yeah, keep in, well, let us know if you are doing that. And when we find some good ideas for new challenges you reckon you like, we'll, we'll let you know. Yeah, Ooh, I think when, I we, when, we, when David puts on um, uh, the Great British Beerathon, I think it would be amazing to have you come along to that. Can you invite me when it happens? Yeah, yeah free ticket, guaranteed. Perfect. I'm in. <laughs> Love it. Well, thanks so much, Florence, and all the really best for the future. Thank you. Nice to meet you guys.
Oh, she's so lovely. Amazing. Exactly, exactly what you hoped, I think, is the uh, is the way to describe that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's what I like about it is it, as you say, she is exactly as you hoped. But also, you know, that documentary is it's, it catches the fact that it's it's got the race has got that element of being a local hero and it being so important, but in some ways, no one really cares, but then it means the world, and it's that whole balance of yeah. Oh, that whole that whole, se- that whole series it captures the importance of having you know. As some people might say that's kind of parochial. It captures the it captures the importance of local tradition and community, and and how those things interact. And uh, that's really interesting that um, uh, Florence was saying about how everyone you know kind of it, it's even the approach to the event. You're walking through the fields together. Uh, you know, trying to avoid the police who've closed down the roads and and that just that sort of coming together that's really unique about it. The thing I keep thinking about in terms of um, events that happen that become sort of oversubscribed are things like, you know, the Lewis <laughs> Bonfire. Like that, mm. that's, that, you know, it's, it's still supposed to be amazing, but it's completely gone over the top in terms of, you know, it's almost ruined for, for I imagine, for, you know, the local people in, to, in a sense. Um and but, yeah, it's really interesting. And and I, I've had friends who've gone before. I know it was supposedly cancelled officially. Then it just carried on going because <laughs> because of traffic. That was the main issue: was too many cars getting down these rural roads trying to get there because it's it's not set up as a big event. But I hadn't even thought what she was saying about as a spectator, you're having to hold on to trees. I mean, that's to try insane, and... isn't it? You watch that. I thought that. I thought that. I think I said exactly the same thing. Exactly thing to Libby when we watch. I'm like, it's it's difficult enough watching the damn thing. Like you've got a tiny yeah. tree, and if you've got kids, you've got to hold on to your kids and a tree. I mean, you can't even stand on that elevation. It's so hard. Yeah, amazing. Um, it, and it it will be interesting to see what happens next year. In I, some ways, I, being in lockdown has hopefully helped it in that it's not going to be too crazy because. It's suddenly another year since people have seen it, and these you know, people people forget so quickly. Yeah, I was going to say when we were talking about that, I say you know you don't want someone from outside the area who doesn't really you know know the tradition turning up and <laughs> so, so I'm making Killian's going to turn up next year. Yeah, uh, Killian's going to turn up when it's they when they've they've steamrolled in it, so it's really smooth. <laughs> it's the driest year. And he's going to have have people who are going to run either side of him to keep him balanced. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) But um, I hadn't realised, and maybe I've forgotten, but I hadn't realised actually how long it had been between each time that she'd raced. And that's what's really impressive is that she did just rock up. Doesn't matter, and, Doesn't matter how long. Yeah. The champion will come back and will be here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I can I can just see her in ten years time when you know when the niece has has won the five and she or has, has, is on four and going for the fifth and she just happens to turn up on that day with her kids and she'll be like, come on, let's do it. You can see her doing it. <laughs> I like and, I just like the fact I like the fact that it's a skill and a talent. You just cannot explain why you're better than other people. Like you are you are demonstrably objectively better than everyone else. 
yet there is no real way of saying why you are better than someone else because you know it's not it's not as if you've got a team of scientists there studying you know the variables or anything else like that i i understand that because i've often felt better than everyone else but never been able to explain why but i don't think it's what quite what you mean but you know i i i sense i, I feel an element of that <laughs> but do bad it's, really it's, really, it's, it's really funny because the amount of time i think we said this at the time but the amount of times you watch it you feel completely inspired by it and then you think do i want to do that you're like no no i don't want to do that at all i just want to feel inspired by it that's enough for me i'd love to have done it i'd i'd do it if i knew i wasn't going to break something but <laughs> that's the trap i mean there aren't can you think of any other events that probably the only thing that i could think of that's equivalent is if i went um ski jumping yeah but the thing is i was thinking about this i was thinking right so in terms of levels of kudos you can get for for for, for doing events like you could do the barclay marathons which you know what how many hours how many hours of torture is that you know it Six, yeah, 60 hours versus 12 seconds. 12 seconds. And I think on the, on the balance, I think the 12 seconds wins it. I think there is more kudos from that than the other thing. I think or, yeah. or at least people would see that on a par. I'd say higher because I think Barclays, is, it's in our niche. We know it. I don't think it's as, as broadly known as the cheese rolling. And when you explain Barclays to people, I don't think they'd ever fully comprehend how hard it is without seeing the documentary whereas the cheese rolling where you go yeah i'm four times cheese rolling champion i broke my leg in one year i broke my collarbone in another year the first year i wore bellies i still won it that's when you think i, I don't know if these just random words that you're stringing together or whether this is true or <laughs> that, that gives like it the context it sounds like the rantings of a mad person yeah. <laughs> <A> drunken, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, you're in hospital A&E. So what happened? Well, I should, but, have, I, should, I, should have, I should have explained my reference to the George Tavern. Did you did you did you pick that up? That was, that was the pub they were they were in with the and the background it had save the George Tavern. Is that right? And she was wearing a T-shirt. At one of the things that said save the save the oh, George Tavern. That's right. That's right. I'm glad, I'm glad <laughs> it still exists. That's great. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I was going to make, I was going to make some point about being an influencer stuff, but after she made the comment that she basically <laughs> didn't read her Instagram enough and they had it all deleted. I was like, there's, there's not, there's not an influencer point to be made there. No. And, and actually it, it I'd messaged her quite a while ago, but similarly, she, she doesn't check her messages that much because she's in the woods. But, um... I, like, I love the idea. I love the idea. She's responsible for the education of small children. Um, uh, but just one day she flips and goes, all right, we're all going down this hill together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. And, and she is the type of person. Forest school's like lighting fires and stuff. It's lighting fires. It's doing all that kind of, you know, things that you, you, forest school sounds like nice when you like hear about it. And then you think, what, my kids are lighting fires. What, what are you insane? But, you know, they're absolutely fine doing it. I just love the, you know, adding into that. Like, we, we, we're just going down this hill as well because we think it's important. And actually, she is. It, I could see her combining those. And we've had Bear Grylls. We've had um, Ray Mears. We haven't had a kick-ass bioskills adventurer type survival person. She could be the crossover of both of those doing know? extreme things. I could totally see a Netflix, Netflix series headed by her. 
Like she's she's got she has the right amount of eloquence talking about it, mm. you know, and uh, that kind of uh, British daring do that you, you that, that would just make that incredible. Mm. Yeah, massively. Well, do ballads. Let us know. Would you do this? Is this something that you'd consider? I don't think runners have really of the, the the mindset to risk injury on on events. Um, I think we're too precious about our bodies. But and, and you know, is is did she come across as you expected? Let us know. Let us at badboyrunning.com. If you've got any other guests you'd like us to interview, any other idea for people along the lines of Florence, slightly outside of our, our usual guests, then email me David at badboyrunning.com. Other episodes, Jodie. Um, I guess Anna McNuff springs to mind for me. She is head of the Girl Guides. Um, she, she has cycled right across America and <laughs> of all, ran around New Zealand. And of all the credentials, that was a funny one to lead with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I guess it's that's like going, similarly. That's like going, that's like saying. Um, uh, Chrissy Wellington, of course, Park Run ambassador. <laughs> oh, oh, and she's done. And she, and she won Ironman, Ironman champion four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'd be good. She'd be good. Yeah, um, we haven't really done any extreme, um, really extreme events along these lines. We probably spoke about the Red Bull Steeplechase uh, or the Red Bull Four Hundred yeah. in an episode, yeah. but. It, it's also, it's also. I was thinking about it actually when when uh, Florence was talking about that flow state thing. We've never really done anything on the flow state, which I think might be quite an interesting mm. episode in itself. Like speaking to someone about you know how it manifests itself and and uh, I mean. And is that the know, same as runners high? Or is no, that different? No, 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 totally different. And, and I don't really expect most runners would experience it because it you you don't ever get to those kind of extremes of of the you know it's not like. You know, it's, it's mainly for, for people in like like rock climbing or windsurfing or people right not, on the I, edge of. Um, but you can do in some in some downhill where some down tra, uh, trail downhills where well, you maybe don't. Maybe on trail running, yeah, yeah. I suppose you. Could, yeah. There must be some element of that. Actually, you're absolutely right. You're not really in control of what you're doing, and you're just just kind of semi-reacting, but you're not thinking. You're just yeah. I, I think there is an element of that. But you've got to be going down some bloody steep hills to get to it. Yeah, because that's the thing. Yeah, I, I, I think that would make a really interesting episode. Because um, mm. that, that kind of that speaks to this un, unrecognised element of how she manages to achieve what she's achieved. You know, something takes mm. over and she puts her feet in the right place. And, you know, and, and a lot of that's to do with her mental state, because clearly she's got a... She, she says she's not you know, fearless. I think that's really important that she's, you know, she, she, she does have fear, but she harnesses it in a really unique way that obviously mm. translates into, into a performance. Yeah, and her, her desire to win overcomes her fear, ultimately. Yeah, well, thanks for listening, guys. If you've liked this episode, please do leave us the five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps us get guests, and please do subscribe. If you, as I mentioned, if you want us to interview anyone in particular email me david at badboyrunning.com and if you want to ask questions to our future guests then follow us on instagram 
uh, if you want to join the uh, Bad Boy Running Club, uh, official uh, England Athletics affiliated club, um, slightly pointless at the moment because uh, we haven't got any races on, but eventually when they do start up, you're going to be able to get discounts. And of course, if you get legendary status, you get some incredible merch. Go to club.badboyrunning.com. If you want any merch, that is store.badboyrunning.com. We've got quite a bit of merch in there, uh, especially things like Not Buffs. Oh wow! There's not. I assume that's everything on Earth. <laughs> what what you mean? Oh no! Uh, yeah, that didn't make much sense, did it? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway, the way, I phrased, makes... the way I phrased that was a total communication fail. So thank God I don't do that for a living. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Until then, see you later. Bye 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 bye